We're probably good now. There you go. Good morning. Are you glad to be here? You know, I really, really like that song, Oh Happy Day, when Jesus washed my sins away. I mean, it's like a shot in the arm. It's a shot of adrenaline. You know, and then his love never fails. You know, it never runs out on me that no matter how I mess up or whatever I do wrong or, you know, he still loves me. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that, now go on, isn't that good? Yeah, isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, I should not. Judy's going to kill me, you know, I, but it's just funny. I mean, it's just funny. And you probably didn't see a thing, but so anyway, so I walked over and we're having a problem with the phone. As you can see, we're working on it. We're having trouble getting on Facebook. And so I said, you still having problems with the phone? And she said, yeah, I'm trying to get your phone to work. I reached over and patted her on the, and said, it'll be okay. <laughs> and I said, oh, no, that was in front of all those people. <laughs> Oh, well, hey, you know, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. That's all I've got to say anyway. Okay, great. Hey, well, listen, we are in week number five, and there's only six. Week number five of our series, Beautiful Day, Love Thy Neighborhood. And I hope you'll get the worship app out. Uh, go there to the version, bottom corner, up there, events. And all the scriptures and all the quotes that will help you follow along in the message are going to be there this morning. That will help you also um, as we go. And boy, this is a good message. It's overwhelming. Warning, it's overwhelming, but it is a great message um, that will truly help us in these days that we're living in. So, so the title is Pride, Prejudice, and People When Neighborhood Gets Dicey. You know, pride, prejudice, and people when neighborhood gets dicey. And there's a whole like lot in that in that title there. You know, people as an example, you know, people are people. Okay? And when you have people, it's just different. All right? And like for example, you've got the pride deal, and that's when people think more of themselves than they should. So, so you got people who are puffy, and then, and then the puffy people have a tendency to be prejudiced or to make less of other people. So, so you've got this neighborhood thing going on, and there's a bunch of people, and some are saying, look how good I am. And in the process of saying, look how good I am, they turn right around and say, and by the way, you're not. And you're not. And that hurts. And it's painful. So that, mark it down, that's when neighborhood gets dicey. Now, the word dicey is a cool word. It's one of those words I think is pretty cool. I was driving to work one day, had a different title entirely, couldn't make it jail. It was about two weeks ago, and maybe three. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm on Capitol Street, and out of the clear blue sky, this word dicey pops into my brain. And it's just like it jailed instantly uh, with, with me in my mind and in my heart. And the word dicey means um, when things become, in fact, this would be a COVID word. Okay, all right. When things become unpredictable and potentially dangerous, isn't that great? Isn't that to really describe the days that we are living in right now? Okay, when things become unpredictable, and boy, that's true, and potentially dangerous. A, a good example would be you're driving down the road, you know, it's January, and there's a few you know, snowflakes falling, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden it starts getting heavier and heavier and heavier, and the roads become covered, and you look at your wife or your husband, and you say, oh my, this could get dicey. It could be potentially dangerous, okay, and very unpredictable. And you have no problem in your mind probably thinking of situations at work, um, again, you know, at home, with your marriage, with your kids, where things could get dicey real quickly, real quickly. You know, John and I just talk about sports. I bet a lot of coaches have seen games get dicey real fast. 
You know, like for instance, you know, when Oklahoma was playing Texas, and and you know, and I think it was who was ahead in that? Was it Texas? That was ahead. They, they ended up winning, and they were ahead like by 70, 18 points. And I came back after after a few minutes, and the score was tied. Now, and again, you know, Oklahoma ended up winning on that game, but it got real. Got real dicey. It got real dicey. Now, neighborhood, neighborhood you kind of get, but I want you to think in a different way and a bigger way as we think about neighborhood today. So, first off, it can be small or large. It can be a lot of people. It can be a few people, okay? All right? Um, It can be near or far. It could be like next door, okay? Or it could be be far, okay? Um, You can sleep with it. Okay, like your husband or your wife, okay? Hopefully not your kids. That's always difficult, all right? So, so it, could be, it could be that you sleep with it. Um, it. You could be changing his diapers, okay? Could be that, could be that, all right? Um, you, you could be taking it to school, could, could, could be that. Um, you could left, live next door to it, all right? Or, or you could worship with it. It could be people that's sitting right next door to you right now, the next seat or five seats over um, in our sanctuary this morning, all right? You could be worshiping with it. So neighborhood can mean many things. And trust me, neighborhood can get dicey, okay? Now, now imagine with me, uh, you know, you're sitting there, and over here on, on, on the left side, okay? Because you're going to hear about sheep and goats next week, by the way, Annie. Okay? And so on the left side, which was the goat side, by the way, because you don't know the story. So on this side, you've got someone and they don't mow the grass. They don't agree with your politics. They don't agree with your sports choices. Their dog runs free in the neighborhood. It's not a good situation. But just on the other side, you've got this guy. And this guy agrees with your politics. This guy agrees with your sports he keeps his um, dog on a leash, and he also keeps his grass mowed and trimmed, okay? Now, you've got to learn to deal with both of those situations because, trust me, it can get dicey. So we want to look today then, all right, at this neighborhood situation. Now, I'm going to violate um, a big rule and let you know how many points there are in this. I didn't pick on Paul did. Okay, when we were in when we were in Cobden, and it had to be around 1990, I would assume maybe 1990. We were at the graduation service there, and this person stands up and goes, "This the gym is not. First off, the gym is not air conditioned, and it is late May, early June. Okay, so it is hot. Okay, and he gets up there and says, "Tonight, I would like to share with you nine points to the 90s." And we went, all went, you're kidding me. You know, I looked at Judy, she looked at me. And to the guy's credit, kept it moving, no big deal. You know, still warm, but he didn't speak a long, long, long time. Well, in this case, I'm letting you know that there are 13 things that Paul gives us. Now, we move, we're going to move real quickly through these. And like a good loaf of bread, we'll slide that sucker off where we need to and end it when we want to, okay? So, so we get through all 13, though. It's a baker's dozen. Okay, when we get through all of those, then that's good. And if we only get through six, you can look at the rest of them later, especially again in the worship app, okay? So now the first thing Paul gives us, and they're just good things. You, you really need to get your, your phone out or your pencil out and write some of this stuff down because it, it is a game changer for your marriage. It's a game changer for your family. It's a game changer for the church. It's a game changer for the neighborhood, all right? So here's how it starts out. In Romans chapter 12 and verse number 9, um, the first part, and this is the New Living Translation, by the way, um, here's what Paul says. He said, 
don't just pretend, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. And again, that's just pregnant with meaning, okay? Because what we find in the world today, there's a lot of people um, who will say they love you, but their, their actions don't line up with those words. You know, I, I wrote down and said that, you know, true love is marked by time and action. True love. Now, that's not all. That's not all. I'm just saying that, that true love is marked by the time that a person's willing to devote to, that, to you or that situation and also the actions they're willing to take. You know, you know, words are cheap. Words are cheap. It's so easy to simply say, I love you. You know, you know you're talking to your kids, you know, and, and because you, are, you end every conversation with the words, I love you, it's very easy to say those. But if not careful, they can become thoughtless words. Well, Paul says, don't just love with thoughtless words. Love with action and love with time. Um, back in 1973, um, Marie Osmond reintroduced a song that came out in the 60s called Paper Roses. And then the chorus goes like this. Paper roses, paper roses, oh, how real those roses seem to me. But listen carefully. But they're only imitation, like your imitation love for me. So, so Paul says we need to love people, whether you're married to that people, whether you gave birth to that people, whether you work with that people, or you worship with those people, those people, then we need to be authentic in our love one for another. A verse that kept popping up in my brain, and I didn't bring it up Wednesday night, but it kept coming in, so I said, okay, Lord, we'll throw it out there, okay? It's 1 John three twelve. okay? And, and John says you ought to love one another. You ought to love one another. But then he says this. Not like Cain. Not like Cain who murdered his brother. So I can just see in my mind's eye. You know, it's, it's easy to play out. You know, we see Cain and Abel. They're fussing and they're fighting. You know, um, and, and honestly, it was Cain's jealousy over Abel. Because Abel's sacrifice was accepted and Cain's wasn't. So one day, he, I can just see him putting his shoulder around his, you know, his brother and say, Hey! Abel, come out and look at my crops. You know, he took him out, the Bible says he took him out to the field, you know, just talking about how good things are. And whether he knifed him or stabbed him or, or whether he strangled him, he murdered his brother, all while pretending, hey, buddy, you're my friend. So Paul says that we are to love authentically. And often that involves time and it involves action. Number two. Then he moves a little bit further down in verse number nine. He says this. That we are to hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. Now, um, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 8, you know, that's the one that says there's a time for this and a time for that. And he says there's a time to love and a time to hate. So the bottom line is this. That we should, now listen carefully, this is worth the price of mission. Okay? We should always, as Christ followers... As believers, we should always, always, always be on the same page as God. As Christ followers, we should always be on the same page with God. In other words, in other words, we should love what He loves and we should hate what He hates. 
Okay? Now, now, so what does God hate? Well, there's actually quite a long list, but we get a, we get a short list in Proverbs chapter 6. It's a great scripture. You should again write that one down. Proverbs chapter 6, and the, the author of Proverbs was saying that, you know, there are six things, it says, that the Lord hates. And then he goes, it's funny, you know, there are six things that God hates. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. There are seven. There are seven. That's kind of verbiage, okay? You know, there are six things the Lord hates, no seven that he detests. Now, think about these. Haughty eyes. Pride, prideful eyes, prideful eyes. Um, a lying tongue, a lying tongue. Oh, hands that kill the innocent. Um, a heart that plots evil. Um, feet that race to do wrong. A false witness who pours out lies. And I love number seven because it's a real issue in churches today. A person who sows discord in a family. Those are seven things that God hates. Now, now these things, these things should be on your thou shalt not list. Okay? You should keep a list, something like that. And so, so if you have a list that says thou shalt not, then these need to be on there. You know, shouldn't do this and shouldn't that because God hates it. Because God hates it. You know, I, I have a kind of list like that for food. Now, my list, my list is kind of short. Okay? It goes like something like beets. It includes um, liver with onions or without or sauerkraut. I mean, those are just three things. If you're going to invite me over for supper, I'd appreciate if you wouldn't serve those because they're on my do not eat list. Okay? Now, now at the same time, to be honest, so are pig brains. I just don't get any offers for pig brains. Okay? But, but I do get offers for these other three. And so that's my thou shalt not list. Okay, we should have a thou shalt not list. And if you need to mark it down, you know, if God hates it, I should hate it. On the other pretext, though, is if God loves it, I should love it. If God loves it, I should love it. You know, and we, we constantly go to John 3.16, and there's a reason why. It's so powerful. You know, John wrote, you know, for God so loved what? God so loved the world. Now, he wasn't, I mean, he created the mountains and all that stuff, but God created the world. What, what John is saying, not mountains and streams and rivers, but people. But people. God loves people. God loves people. You know, let's revisit what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, um, quoted him a couple, couple weeks ago. But keep in mind, this guy lives in the period of Nazism, fascism in Germany, okay? And eventually they're going to kill him. They're, they're going to execute him, all right? So, so that's the environment that he lives. Listen to what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says. You know, God loves human beings. God, now keep in mind, he lives in Nazi Germany and fascism, and it's a dangerous time to be alive. Um, God loves human beings. God loves the world. But not an ideal world, but the real world. And, and what, what Bonhoeffer is saying is that, you know, God doesn't just love this perfect world, idealistic world that he created in the garden. God loves the world as it is. God loved the world as it was in Nazi Germany. He's trying to say that, that God loved those, those who were fighting for the fascist Germans and died for them. And died for them. We serve a redeeming God. Amen? We serve a redeeming. And, oh, 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 and be glad about that. Because I know, I know it's easy from where we sit today to go, well, yeah, well, of course God loves me. I'm pretty good. 
Okay? But you've got to keep in mind, God loved those guys like that too. Bonhoeffer goes on and says this. You know, when we find repulsive, when we find repulsive in their opposition to God, when we see people that are so opposed to God, you know, those bad guys on the left or those bad guys on the right, okay? You know, when we find repulsive in their opposition to God, real human beings, the real world, this is for God the grounds of unfathomable love. A love that's beyond our ability to understand. In fact, if you go back to John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his son. Now, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. You knew this since you were three years old because it's been crammed in your head in Sunday school. But I want you to really get this. Okay? God so loved the world that he gave his son. What? Yeah, yeah. He didn't just send Jesus to, to create Christmas. And then took him back home. He, he didn't even create Jesus to have these years, okay, of fruitful ministry and then bring him home. When it says God gave his son, he gave him to a Roman cross. He gave him to a Roman cross where they were going to pierce his wrist and his feet. They were going to gouge his side. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They beat him so the flesh peeled off his back. He get how much? What? How deep is how deep is this love of God? So much that He gave His Son. Now look at me. He gave it for you. For you. Yeah, see, I know it's easy to sit there and go, "Well, yeah, you know, they, boy, they, yeah." No, it's not they. It's you. God loved you so much that He gave His Son. To this Roman cross. And then he said this. Whoever believes in him. In him. Can have eternal life. So, so here's the deal. So, so whatever God hates. And if you'll notice by the way. That Proverbs 6 list. Involves sins against people. So God says I hate. I hate it when we sin against people. When you sin against people. But the love list. Is loving people. There's exact opposites. Exact opposites. So my question is this. In, in your neighborhood, you know, the person who lives next door to you or you work with, okay, or the person you're married to or the kids that you gave birth to, okay, those kids, those people, are you willing to love them as Christ loved you? Because that's the command. Amen? That's the deal. That's the deal. That's the deal. So, so Paul says, so Paul says we should live in love that way. Well, then he goes a little bit further. In verse number 3, I'm sorry, verse number 10, number 3, he says, Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. I, I, I wrestled through this word affection. Um, and I think I came up right here. The word tenderness comes to my mind and kindness. Tenderly and kindly love one another with genuine affection. And, and then, of course, you know, take delight in honoring, to, to put the other person first. You know, we have the pride and prejudice thing. It's, it's really saying, you know what, people, other people are more important than this people. Other people are more important than me, this people. Okay? That's the way it ought to be. But, but I, I thought almost instantly when I started studying this, that verse 10 is a real picture of what God expects from husbands and wives. You know, we're to show, ladies, you're to show honor to your husband. And the best way to show honor is by respect. You know, we men, 
crave and need respect. We don't get, we don't get enamored too much with gooey, ooey love. We like that sometimes. But, you know, we don't, you know, we just want to be respected. I really need to know that Judy believes in me. I really, I really need to know that Judy respects me. But this, this idea of this, this affection is romance, okay? It's that tender and kindness. You remember? Remember what Paul wrote in Ephesians? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. As Christ loved the church. So verse 10 is a beautiful picture of that. We are to love one another with this tender kindness, okay, and this sacrificial love. And this sacrificial love. Well, he goes on down. Verse number 14. You know, he says, <laughs> I like this one. You know, bless those who persecute you. Yeah, right. Let, let me tell you something. I have a response for people who persecute me, but it's not exactly a blessing. It's not exactly. Actually, it is. No, actually, it is. It is. You know, the Irish have a way of saying things. You know, um, I, I, you've heard this one before, probably, if you know anything about Irish sayings. But may, may you be in heaven half an hour before the devil knows you're dead. Isn't that great? May you be in heaven in half an hour before the devil knows you're dead. Okay, well, there's an Irish blessing that, that really, you know, we hear, you know, bless those who persecute you. Okay, well, here's my Irish blessing. You know, it says, may God keep in good health your enemies. Enemies. Isn't that good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you stop for the first thing, you know, you got it. You know, he agrees with Paul. You know, may God keep in good health your enemies. But then he goes, may God keep in health your enemies' enemies. In other words, God, make sure my, you know, his enemies are really healthy so they can get a little revenge and get my pound of flesh. Okay? All right? But that's not what Paul says. Paul says, I know, this, listen, this makes no sense. Listen, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. And you're, I know, I, I'm sitting there going, what? I mean, did I, really, did I really understand this when I picked this scripture to preach? Because I know I don't do this well. I know I don't do this well. And, and God, it makes no sense. And it's like God said, yes, it does. Yes, it does. It's the way of grace. It's the way of grace. See, God is simply saying through Paul, he's saying, you need, you need to extend this blessing the same way I've extended blessing to you. Did you know what? I've never got on my knees to pray. And God, I, you know, God, I'm really in a difficult place. I really need for you to help me. Um, Lord, I, I need for you to bless me today with that wisdom. And God go, not today, big boy. <laughs> After what you did yesterday... That sermon you preached, you didn't even study. That's not true. It's the way of grace. Every time I go to the Father, He's there. And every time you go to the Father, He's there. I want you to know that. He's there. Uh, what you, what we're seeing, David, His love never fails. It never runs out on me. How encouraging is that? So, so it makes no sense unless you look at it through the lens of grace. See, I, I have these reader glasses. 
I wear a contact in this eye to help me read. But in the mornings before I put that in, I've got reader glasses. And I've got this really, 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 really cool watch. I can make phone calls on it. It tells me the temperature outside is 63 degrees. It'll check my oxygen level. Um, It'll check how fast my heart is beating. It'll tell me how fast I'm walking. It does all of that. But if I don't have either my contact in or my glasses, it makes no sense whatsoever. But when I put my glasses on and I look through the lens of clarity, it makes all the sense in the world. If you will look through the lens of grace, verse number 14 makes all the sense in the world. Amen? Look through the lens of grace. All right? Now, Jesus had an idea about this. Okay? This is Jesus' take on it. It's found in Luke chapter 6, verse 27. It's such a good match, I couldn't pass it up. But I say to you, this is Jesus now. If you don't don't like Paul, try Jesus, okay? But I say to you who listen, number one, love your enemies. And how do you do that? Do what is good to those who hate you. You say, really, Jesus? Really? Do good to those who hate you? Well, I think he said on the cross, they had nailed him to the Roman cross and the nails were pierced. and, And he turned right around and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. How about that? Do, do, do what is good to those who hate you. Um, um, bless those who curse you. Bless them. You know what that word means? I looked it up in my little Strong's deal. You know what it says? To ask divine favor on a person. So, so Jesus is saying, bless those who curse you, that you're to pray to God, okay, and say, God, would you please bless this person? And these are the people that are cursing you. What? Can it be? And and number three, number three, pray for those who mistreat you. Oh, you go, yeah, yeah, boy, I got, boy, I got, you ought to hear my prayers. Yeah, you know, my my sorry husband, I I, I must have been on drugs when I married that boy. I, I, I don't know why I married him. And you just pray and you pray and you pray and you pray about your husband. Well, see, Jesus didn't say pray about. He said pray for. That's a game changer. That's a game changer. See, so, so Jesus said these neighbors that you can't stand, God doesn't want you to get on your knees before him or however you pray and pray about them. He wants you to pray for them. That God would radically change their lives. And I'm telling you, your prayers are so much more powerful when you are praying for them and not about them. Can I ask you a question? Especially today. I mean, between the division over the COVID, I'm, it's serious, between the division of the COVID, the division over racism... And the division over politics, we are a divided people. It bleeds over to the country. It bleeds over to the church. It bleeds everywhere. Can I ask you a question? How much different, how different would things be if we chose to listen to Jesus or Paul and say, love your enemies, do what is good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. How different? How different would it be? And, oh, by the way, you say, yeah, but that's hard. Yeah, it is. And you know what? I've looked through the Bible, and I'm not a perfect scholar of the Bible, and I'm close to a perfect scholar. I can't find in there where it says, thou will have easy. 
I do find where it says the Holy Spirit will live within you. And, and that's the empowerment of I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't find easy. I don't find easy. I mean, you can't. I need to tell you. When you finally stand before Jesus at the, you know, at the judgment seat of Christ, you know, where all the Christians gather and get, you know, get a chance to have a one-on-one time with Jesus, it isn't going to work for you to go, you don't understand, Jesus, it wasn't easy. And he's going to say, never said it was. Never said it was. Oh, it's worth it. Come on. It's worth it. But he said, I never called you too easy. He never called us too easy. So Jesus says, do bless and love. Okay? Then in verse number 15, he turns around and says, and this one's easier. You probably need an easier one just about now. This is number five. You know, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who are weak. So when people succeed, you celebrate with them. And when they fail, you show grace to them. Isn't that good? It's a good thing. It's a really good thing. You know, it's a good thing when we can genuinely celebrate another success and mourn their loss. It's, 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 good. it's a good world. Um, every once in a while, you know, Judy is so much better at this stuff. I just haven't had the gift of gab. But Judy's so much better at this Jesus stuff. You know, she'll, she'll, she'll do something for somebody. I'll say, but, but they didn't do anything for us. Now, Dwayne, you know, that's not what it's about. The Bible says we're to love people. I, I, I taught that. I remember that. She just has to gently remind me sometimes. Number six is live in harmony with each other. You reckon we need that in the church? Again, I just need to be candid with you. I've never seen a more divisive thing than this COVID thing. I mean, it's, it's all over the map, all over the map. You know, it's, it's almost to the point where I walk up and say hi to somebody and say, hi, my name's Dwayne. What do you think about it? What do you think about COVID? What do you think about masks? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? It's, it's crazy. It's just crazy. And Paul said, he would say to us today, live in harmony with one another. In fact, in Colossians 3.14, he says this, above all, above all, highest priority, highest priority is to clothe yourselves in love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. In perfect harmony. Now, now I'm going to slip over to the keyboard. Um, Y'all didn't know I played the piano, and I don't, okay? But when I was like nine years old, my mother taught me three chords, of which for sure I remember one. So we're going to stick with one. But anyway, so... So if we, if we sit there and do the harmonics of self and religion, it's my way or the highway, I don't care what you think, it's me, 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 you kind of end up with this. That's kind of what it sounds like. Okay? So, so if self and my way or the highway is your game, that's what you get. It's true. It's true with you in your own little tiny, tiny world of you. It's true in your marriage. It's true with your children. It's true at work. It's true in your community. Wherever your world is touched, when we don't seek to put Christ first, we get this. Okay. Then, if we have the harmony, you know, Paul said, seek to live in harmony with people, you get something like this. That's the only chord I can remember. It's the... 
Now, which do you prefer? What describes your life? Live in harmony, one with another. The harmonics of Christ are beautiful. The harmonics of self and religion are chaos. Which would you prefer? What, what do you hear in your head when you lay yourself, your pillow down at night? You lay your head on your pillow and all these voices are racing around your head. What do you do when you're offended again and again and all these voices are racing around your head? What does it sound like? Well, Paul says, above all, clothe yourself with love. And that's the action verb. You know, clothe yourself with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. The harmonics of Christ are always beautifully in tune. The harmonics of self and religion always lead to discord. Well, number seven. Number seven. This is verse 16, the second part. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. We, we sometimes get puffy. Okay, we sometimes get puffy, all right? So, so don't, be, don't be so proud that you can't enjoy the company of ordinary people. I wrote this. I thought it was pretty good, actually. I said, you know, if you can't stand, if you're too good to stand with sinners, you're probably too good to stand with Christ. See, that was the problem. The Pharisees were all puffy and stuff, and they were, just con- they were condemning Christ for standing with sinners, with ordinary people. And yet Jesus, he was right at home. Not that he was a sinner. He just loved sinners. That's what we ought to be. That's what we ought to be with the church. It's, by the way, see, when your wife isn't perfect, doesn't jail perfectly, stand with her and love her anyway. Stand love with her anyway. And your children and your boss and all these different things that are going on. You know, don't be too proud. To stand with ordinary people. Okay, number number eight. This is verse 16, the third part. And don't think you know it all. <laughs> I think I got a little blunt Wednesday night. We're going to spare you that. But it really just says what it says. Don't think you know it all. You don't. You don't. And Proverbs 16, 18 says this. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Um, Andrew Murray, one of the great prayer warriors of times gone by, pride needs to die in us for anything of heaven to live in us. Ooh, yeah. Dwight Moody, D.L. Moody, God sends no one away empty except those who are full of themselves. Whew. Yeah. So you don't know it all. Don't pretend like you know it all. Paul just says it. Paul just says it. He just lays it out there. Number nine, verse 17, the first part. This is a big one. Never, never pay back evil with more evil. So, so I, I know, I know the rule. See, I, I know the rule because I've lived the rule. Okay, here's the rule: hurt people, hurt people. You hurt me, I hurt you. Hurt people, hurt people. And what the crazy, you know, the crazy part of that rule, the crazy part of the rule is, you hurt me, and I go hurt somebody else. How many times have I had one of those difficult days at the office, and my little sweet wife is cooking my supper, and I walk in and and she's going, I do anything. Does anyone else experience that? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Hurt people hurt people. That's just the rule that it is. And yet, and yet, God says, the word says, never pay back evil for evil. Let me tell you, 
The slide will say it clearly, but let me say it verbally. And that is this. The currency of evil for evil always leaves you shortchanged and emotionally bankrupt. When you, when you choose to pay back evil for evil, you're going to get shortchanged, okay? And you're going to be emotionally bankrupt. Don't repay evil for evil. And then this, oh, verse number 17, the second part. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Oh, my goodness. That, that should be true of Christians. In this environment, in racism, in politics, and in COVID, we should live in such a way that people know we are honorable. You know, it wouldn't be a week of preaching without a quote from C.S. Lewis, okay? Integrity. Now, first off, how many of y'all have heard this? Character is what you do when no one else is watching. Yeah, well, C.S. Lewis's take on that, okay, is about integrity. C.S. Lewis says, same thing, really. Integrity, because I think, by the way, I think integrity and character are linked. Okay, all right. So, so integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. Even when no one is watching. Uh, a politician, old-time politician from the Midwest, um, Alan Simpson, said this. If you have integrity... Nothing else matters. If you don't have integrity, nothing else matters. Is that not rich? If you have integrity, nothing else matters. If you don't have integrity, nothing else matters. I found this scripture tucked away in 2 Corinthians. And here's how it sets up. Um, Paul and the boys have collected this huge offering. And they're taking that offering to Jerusalem... Okay, so that they can give it to the hungry saints. There's a famine in Jerusalem. So he's been busy over here collecting money and collecting money and collecting money. Now it's time to take it to Jerusalem. Okay, listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 20. He says, we want to avoid, we want to avoid any criticism, any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift. He said, we want to make sure. That, that there is no doubt about our intentions and our policies. We are, we are taking pains. We are taking pains to do what is right. Not only, not only in the eyes of God, but also in the eyes of man. Is that not rich? Come on, isn't that rich? So we should live our lives in such a way we should take pains to live our lives in such a way uh, that we do what is right. Not only the eyes of, the, of God, but the eyes of man. We should desire to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift. So we should be people of integrity. Hey, guys, you know, you know, what's, you know what's so bad about an affair? It breaks your character and your integrity and your trust. There's betrayal. That's why it's so huge. It's not about a physical act. It's about the breaking of a heart and a relationship. Amen? It's huge. It's huge. So, so we are to live in such a way that people know we are people of integrity. Well, number 11, we're getting there. Number 11 in verse number 18, do all that you can. How much? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Okay? Now, again, there's no, let's stop. Let's, this COVID thing, there's a, big in, there's a big divide about mask or no mask. It's a really big deal. No one's right, no one's wrong. There's just a big difference of opinion 
about masks, okay? So what should our response be? My way or the highway? Or do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Be peacemakers and not warmongers. Do peace, be peacemakers and not warmongers. Now, you won't know this name, probably Jeannie and I do, and some of you ladies might. Um, Anne Boskamp is a Canadian lady who is such a great word crafter. I mean, she has the gift of writing that's really unique. And here's what she said. There is an unwavering peace today. There is an unwavering peace today when an uncertain tomorrow is trusted to an unchanging God. Isn't that worth coming to church to hear? I'll just read it again then since you liked it so much. There is a, there is a wavering peace today when an uncertain tomorrow is trusted to an unchanging God. You would say, well, Dwayne, what does that have to do? Well, because you see, to live in peace, there's uncertainties. And so God's word is saying, I want you to live in peace, okay? And I can trust that to an unchanging God. I can trust that. See, that's the deal. All this mess with COVID, we can trust that to an unchanging God. I know, I know. We sometimes think, if I don't, it won't. If I don't take action, it won't. You can trust it to God. I think I write every day, five days a week anyway. What? (laughs) He's got it. He's got this. Amen? He's got this. Not, Not just this, the COVID. This, the brokenness. This, the hurt. This, the pain. This, the division. He's got this. He's got this. Number 12, verse 19. Dear friends, never take revenge. This is the word of God talking. If you don't like the NLT translation, grab another. It's going to tell you the same thing. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will revenge. I will pay, says the Lord. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Revenge belongs to God. Okay? So, is there an area in your life, has there been offense given to you that you want revenge? I want my pound of flesh. It could be a broken marital vow. It could be a broken friendship vow. It could be betrayal. Okay? Whatever it is, is there something when you will say... Okay, I want revenge. Well, God's word says this, let God handle it. Keep your hands out of God's pot. Um, This is probably not right, but give me some slack, okay? Um, Too many hands spoil the pot. Is that kind of like an old saying? It sounds old. It sounds old. Too many hands spoil the pot. And, and listen, when, when we say, okay, I just don't think I can trust God for this revenge. Okay? When you get your hands in God's pot, you spoil the revenge. You spoil the pot. Trust me. Trust me. If you need your pound of flesh, if you've been hurt, if you've been offended, trust me. Leave it to God because he's better at it than you. Ask, ask the children of Israel. Ask Pharaoh. Hey, Pharaoh! 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 How's God at revenge? Oh, pretty good. <laughs> Amen? See, and when, you take, when you take that and apply it, then all of a sudden, peace comes in your heart. Well, what am I supposed to do while I'm waiting for God to get it? 
What am I to do when I'm waiting for God to get my pound of flesh? Well, Paul tells us. Okay? Look what he says in verse number 20. Instead, instead of seeking revenge, okay, instead, if your enemies are hungry, you feed them. If they are thirsty, you give them something to drink. So, in doing this, now this, here's the explanation. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of fire or shame on their heads. If they're hungry, you feed them. If they're thirsty, you give them something to drink. And in doing this, you're going to heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Let me put it in a way I think we can grab. Embarrass them with your kindness. When they want, when they want to just, you know, you just, you just be kind to them. I told them Wednesday night, I hope a bunch of food don't show up at my house this afternoon. Although, after I preached this Wednesday, two plates of food did show up at my house. I don't know if it means anything or not. Embarrass them with your kindness. Be kind. Is that not what Christ did? You know what Christ did? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And as, as these thieves were mocking him, and both of them were, and then one repented and changed his mind, and you know what Jesus said? Oh, today you're going to be with me in paradise. He could have said, you blew it. You don't get in. He said, no, today you'll be with me in paradise. And finally, and in closing, number 13 is don't let evil Conquer you. It will. Can I have an amen? amen? Don't let evil conquer you because it will, but rather, but rather, conquer evil by doing good. You defeat evil by doing good. See, Satan can't stand it. The lost world can't stand it. They, they fully expect us to be unkind. They fully expect us to be unkind to them. They expect us to be unkind to each other. And when we show kindness instead of unkindness, and we give peace instead of being a warmonger, and we love instead of hate, it drives them nuts. It drives them nuts. And that's when they say, I want what you got. I want what you got. They're not too much interested maybe in our religion, but they're going to crave our Jesus. But we've got to show them that. And how we show them that? Paul just gave us 13 ways, Robin. Just gave us 13 ways to do it. And again, think. Think how that could change our world. Our world. Would you bow your heads right there, please? So if you're watching on Facebook today or perhaps you're in this room and you've never experienced this incredible love that I talked about for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, the anybody, the whosoever that believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I want to offer you that today. I'll be standing down front in just a moment, and it would be my privilege to share with you how you can know Jesus Christ personally. I mean, I'm telling you, for me, you know, it's been since 1975. Uh, it's just been an incredible, incredible journey. And what religion could not do for me, a relationship with Jesus Christ did. And we invite you to come and have that today. And if you're on, watching on Facebook, my number is 
And if I can help you find Jesus, it'd be a privilege to do that. It would be a privilege. If you're here today or watching on Facebook and you're already a Christian, but these things, well, they were hard. Now, keep in mind, I love this. Keep in mind, Jesus, the book, and Jesus and Paul never said you've got to do it. It's the Holy Spirit doing it through us. These standards, these standards are way too high for us to accomplish in the flesh. But they're minuscule if we accomplish them in the Spirit. Lord, help me to love. Help me to be kind. Help me to forgive. And when we surrender ourselves to the Holy Spirit, then these things are possible. So why not let Paul's rules for living in a dicey neighborhood change your neighborhood? Whether you're married to it or gave birth to it or carried school every day or work with it or worship with it. Why not let Christ do his amazing work? Let's pray. God, we sure thank you for this opportunity to share. I want to pray, Lord, um, that you will bless this time now of invitation. If there's someone here or listening uh, that needs Jesus Christ, may today be their day of salvation. And then, Father, also um, us. Oh, us. Me, 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 Lord. Me, you know I struggle with this. It is no secret I struggle with this. Father, I want to pray for a divine miracle in my life that you will help me through the Holy Spirit to love as I ought to love and to share as I ought to share. Help me, Lord, to do that. Now, Lord, I'll pray for others that the same thing may happen, that we may be kind in Jesus' name, that we may be tender in Jesus' name, that we may be trusting in Jesus' name. So please have your way in this time of decision. And Jesus, I pray it in your precious name. Amen.